Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning. Who here has seen the movie The Blind Side? Quite a few people. Um, It's a great movie and I've recently read the book that the boy it's about, Michael Orr, that he wrote himself kind of in response to the movie, mainly because he felt like Hollywood didn't quite get some aspects of his story right. Um, but so I read his story and it's, it's a sad story with a really lovely ending, um, but it's a story of, if I can get my thing to work, awesome. Um, it's a story about this boy that grows up in a home with a mother who's a drug addict and he has lots of siblings to different fathers, none of whom are around. And when she was clean, she would be a loving mother. She would do what she could to help her kids. Um, But then she'd very quickly go back into cycles of using. And any time she used, she didn't want her kids to see her using. So she would lock the door of their house so they couldn't come in. And so then what would happen is these kids would... um, have to find somewhere to sleep. These are very young children. So they would go to a neighbour's house or a friend's house and they would sort of try and um, get some hang around long enough to be invited for dinner and then they would just crash on the floor of somebody's house. And so his whole childhood um, was a very um, one of disruption and neglect. Uh, She kept not paying rent so they would move houses constantly. And so he moved schools constantly, which meant he never really settled in at any school, never really learnt how to learn and um, just really struggled with his schooling. The uh, government eventually caught up with them and literally caught them. They would keep running any time the child protection would try and come and get them. Um, But eventually he got put into foster care and went through a range of different foster care homes. Some were not so good and some were were at least um, supportive and, you know, had a, a positive environment. But none of them were home. None of them were family. While he was in some of these foster care homes, he learnt about different ways of living, like, you know, going to bed at a certain time, getting up at a certain time, having a meal, every meal, um, you know, going to school, doing homework. Uh, and, and those were good things for him. He struggled with them because he wasn't used to that kind of routine or rhythm, um, but he, it showed him that there was a different way of life. And even though that was good for him, even though he had clothes and a bed and food, he still every month would run home to his mum because that was his family and he missed his siblings and his, his mum. Eventually he got out of foster care and just kind of lived, you know, kind of at home sometimes and kind of at other people's houses um, and, and really was in a situation where he, he didn't have a permanent uh, place to live. So then one of his friend's dads um, decided to try and get him into a Christian high school. It took him a while, but they eventually got them into this Christian high school um, just before he started year 10. And while he was there at this Christian school, um, he really got a lot of love and kindness and support from the people at that school. But, and, and, you know, they really tried to help him with his education and his learning. But what none of them realised is that he was still effectively homeless. He actually, from that point, didn't want to go back to his mother's home because he was worried. He'd seen what his friends had done, getting sucked into gangs and stealing cars and all that kind of thing. And he was worried if he went home, he would sort of get pulled back into that lifestyle. And so he had about six or seven different families that he would just stay with for a few days. He'd go home with them after basketball practice or footy practice and just hang around and get dinner and sleep on the floor or sleep on the couch And, you know, he'd stay there for a few days and then he'd move on to the next house so that no one really suspected that he didn't have a permanent house. 
Then a guy named Sean Tui, who was one of the coaches for the basketball team, um, began to take a bit of an interest in him because he'd had a, a rough childhood himself and he knew what it was like not to have food. And so he paid for Michael to have lunches every day at the school. And then his wife, Leanne Tui, noticed that he was wearing the same clothes every day, so she took him shopping. And then they invited him for dinner and they invited him for dinner again and then he started sleeping on their couch some nights and they kind of added the Tui family into his rotation of families that he would stay with. They had two kids, uh, a girl, Collins, who was in the same year as him and then a little boy, um, SJ, who was nine. And so he added this family into this rotation of people that he would stay with every night, just not knowing where he was going to sleep, hoping to get another place to go to. And as the Tuis got to know him, they started to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and they thought they were just, he was just staying with them because it was closer and convenient than going all the way back home. But when they realised he had no permanent home, they said to him, well, you need to come and stay with us. And so they ended up um, setting up a bedroom for him. He got the first bed he'd ever had of his own in his whole life. Um, they got him his clothes. They paid his medical bills. He became someone who lived at their house permanently. And after about a year, they said to him, we'd like you to legally join our family. And so with his biological mother, they went to the courthouse, signed the papers, went out to brunch to celebrate. And there's this really beautiful moment in his book where he says, then we were driving back to the house. And then he corrects himself and he says, then we were driving back to our house. And in that moment, it's like he realised, I'm no longer a visitor I'm no longer someone who they're very kindly letting me live at their house. I'm their son. I'm their brother. This is my family. He went on to be a very successful um, NFL player, made a lot of money, and he used that money in the platform he got from the movie, and he still does this today, is to really help foster kids and foster families and to really encourage people to look out for those that, you know, may not have a home and to welcome them into their own home. You know, God tells us, the Bible tells us that God wants to do a little bit the same with us. Because a little bit like Michael, we're all in a bad situation. As Josh said before, we're all sinners. We all do wrong things. We all do things that we're ashamed of, things that hurt other people, things that we wish we could take back. We all get stuck in cycles of doing wrong things and think, oh, I can't believe I just did that again. But we just keep doing it over and over again. And you see, God doesn't want us to live in our sin. As Josh said, the Bible tells us what we earn for our sin is death, and that's eternal death in hell. But God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to die. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And so he sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to die on a cross and to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins upon himself. And so now anyone who comes to him, like Josh Shedders, and says, I believe in you, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Please forgive me for my sin. Anyone who does that can be forgiven and given a new life and saved. But even more than that, like if that's all that Jesus offered to do was to forgive us and to save us from eternal hell, that would be pretty amazing. But even more than that, he says, I want to adopt you into my family. It says in Ephesians 1.5 that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. See, God didn't save us so that we could be good little workers for him, good little slaves or servants. He saved us so that we could be his children. 
so that he could join us into our, his family. A little bit like with Michael or he knows that we all have huge potential. He knows um, that he has great plans for us and there are good things that he wants us to do. But he knows that even, even that desire, if, you know, like Michael, he desperately wanted to get out, but he couldn't do it by himself. He needed teammates, coaches, friends and a family around him who could encourage him and say, come on, you can do this. People who could support him to get out. And God knows that we need the same, that he saves us out of our sin, but he knows that to live this Christian walk, we need people around us, encouraging us, supporting us, cheering us on. Back in uh, 2002, Pastor Rick Warren wrote a book called The Pepper Driven Life. Um, I checked. This book has sold over 50 million copies now. And many of you might have already read this before. I know when uh, Josh and I, back in the early 2000s, our church went through and did the 40 Days of Purpose and we all read this book. And I know a lot of churches around the world have done the preaching series. And that's what we're doing now is we're taking those sermons that were preached back in early 2000. We're putting our own spin on it, of course. But we are looking at what um, Rick Warren taught in this book about what does the Bible say our purpose for life is. So Josh, a couple of weeks, spoke about the importance of our purpose. Um, And last week, Pete shared about our first purpose in life, which is to worship this amazing God who saved us. And today, I want to look at our second purpose, which is to belong in God's family. Now, just, just before we get into this, I just want to be clear about what I'm talking about today. So being part of God's family, there's kind of two parts to that. The first of it is what I talked about just before about becoming a Christian. When we become a Christian, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and we ask him to forgive us for our sins, um, then we become part of God's global family. We become a Christian and we become part of that family that is across the whole world with all the Christians everywhere. Um, And the way that we usually demonstrate that is through getting baptised in water. So we make that decision internally and then we get baptised in water to externally show to the world that we have chosen to follow Jesus. And that's the first and definitely the most important step is to become a Christian and become part of that global family. But once we become a Christian, that's not the end. We're also, God has designed us to be part of God's local family, which is the church. In 1 Timothy 3.14, it says that God wants us to know how to live in the family of God and that family is the church. So being a Christian is not just about believing. It's also about belonging. God wants us to be part of his local family in a church. And so today I want to look at, if you're a Christian here today and you're like, well, you know, I've, I've done that part, I've become a Christian, but, you know, maybe this part here of, of belonging in a church family you haven't got there yet, I want to encourage you in how you can belong in God's family, in this church family. So the first and most important one is to actually find a church family and commit to that church family. You know, being a Christian and not going to church is a little bit like saying you're a footy player but never playing a game or saying you're an actor but never being in a play. God meant for Christians to be part of a church family. And one of the things that really breaks my heart, and I hear this more often than I would like, um, but is how many people who've been hurt by churches who say, you know, I'm a Christian but I, I don't go to church because I've been burnt, because I've been hurt, because of what people have said or done in churches. And That just breaks my heart and I know that breaks God's heart because that was not his intent with church family. And unfortunately, this happens because churches are full of sinful, broken people who need Jesus and who make mistakes all the time. 
And so if that's been your experience, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that people in the name of God have done the wrong thing by you. But I encourage you, don't give up. Try another church. You know, if you go to a meal, uh, a restaurant and have a bad meal, you don't go, that's it, I'm never eating out again. You try a different restaurant. Maybe don't go to that one, you know, but you find a different restaurant. Or maybe it's not that you've had a bad experience, but I know I hear a lot of people say that I, I'm looking, I've been trying, trying different churches and just trying to find that one that suits. And, you know, that's okay. That's okay to look around and to be prayerful and say, God, where should we go? I know when Josh and I first moved up to Darwin, we were freshly married and, you know, trying to find a new church after we'd both been in churches. I'd been in my church for 18 years, um, you know, trying to find that right church for us. And we walked into this great church. It had air conditioning. It was modern, had great preaching and great uh, music and, you know, um, had lots of young people our age. And we thought, wow, what a great church. And so we just started going along to this church and we really liked it. But after about three months, we found we were really unsettled. And in fact, some mornings we just didn't even really feel like going to church and that was really unusual for both of us. We'd both grown up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. And even as adults, we'd continued to do that out of choice. No one was making us, but we wanted to go to church. Sundays were for church. And so to sort of feel like we didn't even really want to go was weird. And so we prayed about it and we realised what we hadn't done is we hadn't actually consulted God on what church we should go to. We'd just kind of gone to the one that seemed like the best fit. And so we prayed about it and said, OK, God, where do you want us? And so we felt to go and try another church. And we walked in and there was no air conditioning. It's the first thing I noticed. There was literally all the, those bricks with holes in them. So they just the Darwin humidity just <laughs> seeped through that building, as did all the leaves and all the dirt. So it always felt really dirty and grotty. Um, the preaching was good. You know, the music was okay. Um, but the other really hard thing was there was no young people. Like there was literally one young adult woman my age and one young adult guy Josh's age and that was it. But we walked in that door and we just felt God say, this is it. This is where you need to be. And we were at that church for 10 years. We loved that church and we learned so much and, and that real church really became family. But I, I actually remember the moment that it went from us being visitors to us feeling like it was our church. We'd been going there for a few months and then we're at one of the night services, you know, back when we used to do night services. Remember those days? Thank you, Jesus, they're over. Um, <laughs> I love going to church, but I really love going once. It's really good on a Sunday. It's great. Um, sorry. We walked up. And so we got into the church and they were all a bit stressed out in the music team because the person who was doing the overhead projector, anyone remember that, did the song words on the overhead projector, hadn't shown up. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I was like, oh, well, I know how to do that because I'd done it at my church growing up. So I sort of ran up to the front and did the song words. And as everyone's singing and worshipping God, I was just sitting there going, this is my church. I wouldn't do this if I was a visitor. If this is a visitor, you just sit back and you let other people deal with it. But I'm like, this is my church. And like I said, we sewed into that church. We, there, we were there. That was our church family. We really belonged while we were there. You know, Michael had all these different houses, all these different houses that he rotated around, all these different places he went to. And at all of those places, he was welcome, but he was always a visitor. It was never home. And it wasn't until the Tuis invited him to stay that he was able to settle and be at home. 
Now, unlike Michael, we don't have to wait for an invitation from a church. I think pretty much most churches will say, come, come, stay, stay. You know, you don't have to wait for an invitation. So what you need to do, I encourage you, is if you're feeling uncertain, if you're visiting here today and you're like, I'm still not certain where God wants me to go, pray about it. Go look around at a bunch of different churches and go into them prayerfully, look, not looking at how fancy it is or flashy it is, but just say, God, where do you want me? Where do you want me? And then when you feel a peace about a place to go, then commit. And if that's here, fantastic. We'd love to have you here. And if that's at another church, fantastic. They would love to have you there. You know, we're all part of the same team. We all have the same purpose. We all want to see people reach for Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether you come to this church or another church, but pick a church and commit to that church. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Like I said with Michael, by only being there occasionally at these houses, he always felt like a visitor. And if you only ever come here occasionally, you know, just pop in once a month or two, you will always feel like a visitor. You could come here for 20 years and you'll always feel like a visitor. And I want to encourage you, if you want this to be home, if you want this to be family, you need to be coming regularly. And we almost never say this. We never say this because we don't want people to come to church out of guilt or out of pressure. We don't want, we understand life happens and we don't want people to feel bad that, oh my gosh, I wasn't at church and everyone's going to be breathing down my throat. We don't want to be like that. We want people to be here because they want to be here. But I want to encourage you, if you want this to feel like family, if you want this to feel like home, then you've got to be here. That's how you get that level of connection. So number one, we need to commit to a church family. But if that's all you ever do, even, even if you're here every week, if every week you rock up and you come in as soon as the song's starting and when the last song's on, you race out the door, then it's probably never going to feel like family either. Because church is not meant to be a service. It's not meant to be a meeting. It's not meant to be an event. It's meant to be a family. You know, we say, oh, I'm going to go to church or I went to church today. But I love what Rick Warren says. He says, church is not a place you go to. Church is a family you belong to. How good is that? So firstly, we need to commit to a church family. But if we want to belong in a church family, we need to connect with our church family. When God created the first human, Adam, he said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he said it's not good for the man to be alone. Some of you would know that for the last probably five or six years, for my birthday, I have asked for Josh for 24 hours by myself. And so what he does is he books me a motel like in the city or Glenelg and then I go there, drop the kids off, bye, see you later. And then I go into the city or into to Glenelg or somewhere and I just go and do whatever I want to do for 24 hours. So if I want to spend four hours in Target browsing all the homewares, I can do that. And nobody's there going, oh, come on, how long are you going to take, mum? You know, I can just take my time. I eat what I want to eat. I watch what I want to watch on TV. I can have the musicals blasting all I like and sing along and nobody cares. I can go to bed when I want. I can get up when I want and nobody wakes me up in the nighttime. I love it. Like it's (laughs) 24 hours of bliss. And I think if Josh said to me, hey, honey, do you want to up it to a week? I'd be like, sure. Like, you know, just where is he? He's hiding. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, That may not fly. But anyway, I would be very happy by myself for a week. I reckon I could even do two weeks by myself. I could, no, probably not going to happen. 
But I reckon by the end of that two weeks, it would stop being lovely and it would start being lonely. Because we're not designed to be alone, not for long periods of time. We are designed to have a family. Like with Michael, he was alone. He's there as a 16-year-old kid just trying to do life by himself because he's got no family support. That was not good for him. But when he had a family who loved him and supported him, that's when he really thrived. When Josh and I first moved to Darwin, um, we were a young married couple living together for the first time, you know, in a new city with new jobs. And we were quite happy with our own company, you know, walking into that church with only two young couples, or two, they weren't a couple, two young people. We were okay with not having huge amounts of friends because, you know, it was good for us to connect and get some time together and really work on our marriage in those early days. But, you know, after a time, it does start to get lonely. I mean, that was back in the day when if you wanted to ring your family, you had to do a long-distance call after 7 o'clock because it was too expensive to call before then. And you certainly, if you wanted to send a photo to your family, you had to, you know, like take a photo, get it developed, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it and send it. Like that's, that's how you send a photo. And so we were really far apart from our biological families who we loved and were really close to, and we were really alone. But what I loved is that our church church became our family. Anytime a new young person walked in that door, we're like, hey, come out for pizza with us. Hey, come over to our house. Please be our friends. And we, um, and through that, we end up, there used to be, there was heaps of young adults by the time we left because we were all the same. We're all ring-ins from other states, from down south. None of us had family. And so we became family for each other. We celebrated our birthdays together. You know, when someone got a job promotion, we'd all go and celebrate. You know, we had each other in our lives and in our houses because we didn't have a biological family to do that with. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God places the lonely in families. I love that. I love that no matter how far away you are from your biological family, if you can find a church family, you can have that family. And this is one of God's purposes for us, not to be lonely, but to be part of that church family. And it was definitely a defining feature in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. It also says they met in each other's homes. That was a a typical thing that the church did. Have you ever seen someone who has that really close friend, that close friend who is like family? that person who is really there for them when they go through a hard time, really like a huge part of their life. And it's so easy to look at them and just be a bit envious and think, oh, wow, you know, are they lucky to have friends like that? But the thing is, it's not luck. If you've ever had one of those friendships, you'll know you have that level of friendship because you invested time into that person and they invested time into you. That's how you get that level of friendship. And I think a lot of people are lonely because they sit around waiting for someone else to make the first move and waiting for someone else to befriend them. I remember when I was in primary school, I was at a really small school. Um, There was only five or six girls in our grade. And so it often meant that, you know, for some reason, apparently we couldn't all just play together. We had to have twos, everything in twos. So sometimes you'd be the the odd one out. And I remember on those times coming home and just crying to my mom and just saying, I've got no friends. And I will never forget what she said to me. She would say this to me over and over again. She'd say, if you want to have a friend, you need to be a friend. If you want to have a friend, you need to be a friend. Stop trying to get in with that group of girls. 
Go and find the lonely kids. Go and talk to them. Go and sit with them. Be a friend to them and then you will find friends. And that was great advice that I have taken through my entire life, is that if I want a friend, I go and find someone who's by themselves and I go and talk to them. I really want to challenge you, if you're already a part of this church family, if you're part of the furniture, you've been here a long time, the danger can be we get a bit comfortable because we already know heaps of people and, you know, Sunday can be a great chance to catch up with all our friends. But can I encourage you? We need to be looking out for the new people. We need to be looking out for those who come in and are like feeling a bit awkward and they're like, I don't really know anyone and there's a couple of people who say hi to me. We need to be looking out for them. Go and say hello. And, you know, it's not hard just to say, hi, I'm Sally, what's your name? Oh, gosh, have we met before? How long have you been coming? You know, where do you live? Just asking some simple questions. And sometimes it's super awkward. Like, that's just life, you know. And you can go, well, that one didn't work. And just, you know, but at least you've been friendly to that person. But give it a try. Go and talk to people. And the amount of times I've heard people say how much they appreciated just someone going up to them and being nice to them. And if you're new... Can I encourage you too? Don't just sit around waiting for people to come to you. Because you see, the people who've been coming to the church for a while who are part of the furniture, they kind of forget. They get caught up being comfortable with their friends. And so they forget sometimes. So just go up and say, hi, I'm new, you know, and introduce yourself. And hopefully they will very nicely talk to you. Do you know, this is something we talk about a lot of stuff. You know, our focus as a church, is we want to reach people for Jesus. We want to tell them about Jesus. We want to disciple people. But another big part of it is we want to help people connect and feel like they belong. And for Pete and I, especially in the pastoral care team, we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about how can we help people connect. We'd be like, you know, that new family, how can we connect them with the other, new, the other, the other families that have got young kids? Or that retired couple that have just joined, that have just moved from interstate and don't know anyone, who can we introduce them to? Who can we connect them to? We spend a lot of time doing that. And we personally spend a lot of time trying to meet everyone in the church. But it's impossible. It's impossible for us to know everyone. We, we try, we might know your name, but it's impossible for us to be you know, close friends with every single person who's in this church. It's just not physically possible for us. It's something that we have to do together. It's something that as a family, we need to be looking out for each other. I want to get you to do something that's probably a slightly uncomfortable thing, but can I just get everyone to look this way for a second? Just look this way. You're going to probably see a bunch of necks. Okay, excellent. (laughs) Can I get you now to look this way? Okay, have a look at what you can see. Then turn around and look behind you. See what you can see. Thank you. Really nice everyone being obedient this morning. Excellent. I love it. Now, when you turned around and had a look, you probably saw a bunch of beautiful necks that you recognised, but there's probably some you didn't. And I want to encourage you. You know, when I finish speaking, we're going to have communion and then we're going to have a, a time of worship again. And then when we get to the end of the last song, Instead of pegging it out to the line to be the first one to get your caffeine, you know, pushing past the elderly and the infirm in your desire to get your coffee hit, can I make a suggestion that you go and introduce yourself to one of those people that you didn't recognise? Go up and say hi. And even if it's someone who you're like, man, I've seen them around. I might have even met them before, but I can't quite remember their name. So I feel a little bit awkward. So I never really say hello to them because I don't know if I've got their name right. Can I ask you, just go up to them and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm sorry, what's your name? I've forgotten. Or how long have you been here? And let's be really gracious with each other. 
let's understand that names are really hard to remember, okay? So let's, especially with me, please be gracious with me. I get people's names wrong all the time. And often, like, as soon as I say it, I'm like, man, I got that wrong. Or as soon as they walk past me, you know, I'm like, hi, John, you know, like, it just takes a while for my brain to catch up. So let's be gracious with people and, and just go say hello to someone and make them feel welcome. But, you know, let's not stop there. Romans 12, 13 says, always be eager to practice hospitality. There is really something powerful about you inviting someone into your home, letting them get a glimpse at how you live and what you do. And I think that's what puts people off is they're like, I don't want them to have a glimpse at how I live (laughs) because my house is a bombshell, you know. Um, And I think often we miss out on having people over because we think, well, when I've got the house clean or when we've done the extension or when I've fixed up the backyard, then we'll have people over. And if you wait until your house is perfect, you will never invite people into your home. Most people don't care. Maybe some do. But most people are really gracious when they come to your house and are not going to judge. They're just happy to be invited. And can I say, please don't cook for them. Unless you're really, really passionate about cooking, please don't cook for people when you have them over. And I'll tell you why. Because you'll spend the whole time preparing the food, serving the food, cleaning up the food, and you won't get a chance to connect. And even worse, if you do it and you do it amazing, they're never going to want to invite you to their house (laughs) because they cannot measure up to your standard. I know this. So invite them over for pizza. Invite them over for chicken and chips. Invite them over for supper or morning tea or afternoon tea or coffee. Don't go crazy. Keep it simple because that's what family do. Family don't do big elaborate meals when their mum and dad are coming over. They're like, come and have, you know, pizza with us. You know, they keep it easy because they want to spend time with those people. And if you really, really can't invite them to your house, sometimes people really logistically have reasons why they can't, then find other ways to get them in your life. Invite them for a walk, go out for a coffee, go out for lunch, you know. There are ways to connect with people and bring them into your life. The third and final thing I want to encourage you to do is to love your church family. It's great to find a church family and commit. It's great to connect and introduce yourself and get to know people. But We're called to do something even greater. And that's to love our church family. You know, one of the most heartbreaking things in Michael's book is he said that even though he knew his siblings and even his mum loved him, they never once said, I love you, to him. Never once. And the first time he heard those words was when he moved in with the Tuis. Because every night, Leanne Tui would say to her children, as she said goodnight, she would say, I love you. So she said it to Colin, she said it to SJ, and she said it to Michael, I love you. We all need love. In Romans 12.10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Loving each other is not just with words, but it's showing it with our actions. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens. You know, God didn't design us to face our burdens alone. We all have burdens, but he never wanted us to have to struggle and strive alone. He designed this church family so that we would always have someone to have our back, have someone to encourage us, someone to support us through that. Romans 12, 15 says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. We are encouraged to meet people where they're at. Be happy for them when good things happen. And when bad things are happening, get alongside them and sympathise. We don't have to fix their problems. In fact, it's probably better when we don't try to fix their problems. So I have to keep reminding myself because I always love fixing people's problems. But generally, people just want you to listen. 
They just want you to care and pray for them at the end. That's, that's kind of what people need. I mean, sometimes there are practical things we do, can do, like making a meal or helping them clean their house or move a cupboard or something. But generally, people just need to know that someone cares about them. And, and when we're doing that with other people, then that creates the opportunity for us to do the same, to share our burdens and ask for prayer. The reality is in a church this size, though, you can't show that level of love and care to every single person who is here. And that's why life groups are so valuable. Um, I don't know if, I think many of you in the past might have been part of a life group or a connect group or a home group or a Bible study group. And, I, and we've sort of shifted our focus on life groups, especially in the last year. Um, I know when I was growing up, life groups or home groups were always Bible study groups. And they were very, you know, you rock up, you do a Bible study for an hour to an hour and a half, and then everybody goes home. Um, whereas we've really shifted the focus of it to be more about connection, more about doing life together, hence the name life groups. Some of the groups do have a Bible study component. Um, some of them just go for a walk and then pray for each other. Some of them might go out for a coffee. Some might have a meal together. Um, and it just really depends on the group. Probably the only thing we would say is that we want that to be a God-honouring uh, conversations that happen in that group. So we don't want it to be a place where everyone gets together and just whinges about everybody else. But as long as the focus and the heart of it is to encourage each other in our Christian walk, it doesn't have to be an intense Bible study. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't joined a life group, to really consider in 2023 doing that. Finding a group that is at your similar demographic at a time that suits you. I mean, some of them meet monthly, some meet, most meet fortnightly, some meet weekly. It really just depends on the group of people. And don't feel pressure. Like if you can only go to a life group once a term, well, great. At least once that term you've had connection with some deeper connection with people than outside this church. So don't put yourself under pressure and think, oh, if I, if I decide to go on, they'll have to go every fortnight. Oh, I can't commit to that. That's okay. Just get along as often as you can. And if you can't find a group that suits you, well, maybe it's time to start a new group with people that, you know, are in a similar demographic or in a similar friendship group to you. You might say, hey, let's start a group together. So if you're interested in joining a life group or you want to maybe host a life group, please email me or Pete and we would love um, to help you get that set up in 2023. Because in life groups, we can really have the opportunity to connect and show love to each other. So here at Port Life, our heart is not to be a building. Our heart is not to be a meeting or a service or a destination or an event. We want to be a family. We want to be like the Tuis who invited Michael into their home. You know, they didn't need Michael. They had two children, had a boy and a girl. You know, they were both older. They're probably like, whoo, we're getting near the end. We're getting, you know, up to the empty nesting, you know, starting to go on that pathway. And they didn't need another child in their life. But Michael needed a family. And so they chose to open up their home to him. And that's what we want this place to be, a place where we have open doors and open hearts, where people can walk in, people who have moved in from interstate, from overseas, people who have been through divorce, people who have had their families torn apart, people who are broken and hurting and lonely. And do you know what? Even people who've got it all together, all of them, we want them all to be able to come in here and feel at home and feel like they belong. So our job is to welcome everyone, but then each individual person has to make that decision to commit to a church family, to connect with their church family and love their church family.
Because belonging to a church family is not something we just add on to our week. Belonging to a church family is one of the purposes we have in life. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as I was preparing this this week, I'm just, I'm in awe of how much you love us. That you didn't just come to save us and then just, you know, set and forget. That you think about all the details of our life and you knew how much we needed to not be alone. You knew how much we needed family. And so you created church as a place where we could find that sense of belonging. Lord, I pray for each and every person here today. Lord, whether they're a part of our church or whether they're visiting, that you help them to be able to commit into a church family. Find that connection there and really show that love. I pray that each and every person here is able to have that family around them, cheering them on, encouraging them and helping them to be all that you've called them to be. We thank you, Jesus, for all the goodness you bring in our life and all the blessing. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.